Welcome to the APM podcast. APM is the chartered body for the project profession. Hi, I'm Emma DeVita, the editor of Project, APM's quarterly journal. In this, our Project Innovator season of podcasts, I'm speaking to project professionals who are leading projects in an innovative way at a time when many of us are hoping the world of work and projects can be reset better. In this episode, I'm speaking to Antonio Nieto Rodriguez, a highly experienced project manager who's on a mission to champion project management as a central issue for every CEO. He's the author of Lead Successful Projects, published by Penguin, and he's also a Harvard Business Review author and has been recognised by Thinkers50 as an influential global business thinker. He's the co-founder of the Strategy Implementation Institute, and his day job is as Director of the Programme Management Office at GlaxoSmithKline Vaccines. He's also a former chair of PMI. He's a vast global experience leading complex projects and previously worked as head of project portfolio management at BMP Paribas Fortis. Antonio spoke to me from Brussels at the end of February during another lockdown when he spoke to me about why and how project management and project managers need to become more strategic if they're to innovate. Projects are the future of organisations but project managers need to sit at the top table he argues. CEOs need to accept project management as part of the strategic conversation within their organisation and project managers need to learn new skills and think about their role differently in order for this to happen. Antonio kindly shared his thoughts on how this can be done in practical ways. You can read Antonio's column on why the future is all about projects in the spring issue of APM's Project Journal out in March. Welcome, Antonio. Thanks for finding the time to talk to us. I think it would be useful for listeners if you could tell us a bit about your work and your areas of interest in project management right now. I've been working in in corporations for the past 25 years in projects and mostly around portfolio management, PMO, uh, in consulting, in banking, in pharma. Um, I help uh, many other uh, companies through training and, and a bit of advisory. So I, I, I'm a practitioner, but at the same time, I've developed a passion for research. Uh, and the, the focus area has been why senior leaders don't value or appreciate project management as something strategic. And, and it, it all started when I was fired from an, a consulting company uh, because the partner said, uh, listen, Antonio, we don't think that project management is something fancy. It's just very tactical. So we're not going to keep you. So that just opened a big uh, uh, space for me. And like uh, uh, I wanted to prove the world that actually there's a lot of value. So I've been doing researching. I've published four books. I'm currently writing for Harvard Business Review, the project management handbook. Uh, I was awarded by Thinkers 50. First time anybody in the project management space is is recognized for, for the contribution in management. Uh, I was chairman of the Project Management Institute, six years in the board. That's a, in a nutshell who I am. I'd like to ask you uh, about your mission, which is to get CEOs, senior execs, to really understand and accept um, project management as something that needs to be involved right from the start when it comes to strategy. Looking over the past 10 years, 20 years, what have been the biggest obstacles to senior execs wanting to include project professionals right from the start? I think like with many problems, Emma, there's two sides on the same coin. So I I believe there's an issue or uh, an obstacle from the senior leadership part. 
and I've done it, a lot of research on that. So basically, there's very little literature uh, around projects and project management adapted uh, or through the, the media that these uh, senior leaders read, like Harvard Business Review, very, very few articles on, on projects and the value of project management. Um, MBAs, for example, where um, a lot of these senior leaders go through, don't teach project management. This was a shock when I did my MBA in London business schools. They were not teaching project management. So I think there's a lack of awareness, lack of studies, lack of competencies at the senior uh, leadership level. And then I think the project management community um, tends to be very technical. So we, we've done our work uh, um, difficult to understand, varied, uh, a lot of acronyms and, and tools and internal kitchen things that actually people uh, don't care so much. So I think we need to step up as well as professionals and, and connect with what really matters to leaders in organizations in the public sector. So issues on both sides, both of them we can address. That's the good news. Do you feel as though it's moving in the right direction? I mean, certainly I have seen over the past year through the pandemic that there seems to be a greater appreciation and recognition of what project professionals have achieved and are able to do. Do you feel that this has been to the benefit, the pandemic has been to the benefit in some ways to project professionals and getting chief execs and senior execs to appreciate what they do? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think despite the, the drama of uh, and the sadness of the pandemic, I think for us, the project management profession has become uh, uh, a positive and, and has built, it's an opportunity to build momentum. There's three things that I've uh, seen in, in this last year is, uh, first, um, senior leaders have appreciated the importance of prioritization on uh, on focusing on a few projects, the ones that will uh, keep the company alive and, and transform their into the next business model, the next strategy. So before the pandemic, companies would have thousands of projects and suddenly with the pandemic, they just cut them all radically, 80% just say we need to survive. So I think prioritization is something that we say a lot in project management is so important that to put the right resources on the most important projects. So that has been a big learning uh, for me as a professional. Second, I think senior leaders have seen in the pandemic that focusing on the executive position and spending time on these critical initiatives uh, drives change, drove them for the transformation, for the survival. So before, um, before the pandemic, senior leaders would spend half a day, maybe a few hours per week on, on projects, the rest was day-to-day -day operations. With the pandemic, the, that changed radically. So they, they were active sponsors in their projects two, three, four days per week. So I think that's an opportunity we need to leverage and say, listen, senior leaders, you see, when you're behind the projects, we move much faster. And then I think for the project managers, of course, this is an opportunity to shine to, of course, lots of pressure, lots of exposure. There's limited uh, failure options. You remember a lot talking about fail fast um, and, and learn fast. This is not possible in a crisis. We cannot fail because we have very few options. So we need to do our best. And I would say if 
uh, from a project management perspective, about 60 to 70% of the project fails. In a crisis, it, the number is much lower. I would say 10, 20% of the project fail because project managers step up. But also it must be something else apart from them stepping up. Is it a recognition by others within the organization that it's a priority for these projects to be a success? So therefore they give them extra resource or the support they need or the kind of political influence they need to get stuff done? Absolutely, Emma. Yes. And, and by stepping up, I mean, they get greater exposure. They are more prominent. There's, they're, they're more visible to the people. Uh, they have much more time with the executive sponsorship team. They, they report on a regular basis, weekly basis to the executive team of, of, of the organization. So uh, absolutely, all this uh, focus, prioritization, uh, it's an opportunity that uh, when we have that, Generally speaking, I think we do deliver. Uh, so what can we learn? What can we keep? What can we bring forward uh, for the new norm? I think that's where we need to show that we can do that as well. The focus of this series of podcasts is innovation. And the reason I wanted to talk to you is because what you're suggesting is that project professionals need to become more strategic in their thinking and the way they approach projects and that Actually, the pandemic has shown that when that happens, projects are delivered better and more successful. Everyone's happier. What are the benefits, just to spell them out, to making project management more influential at the strategic level? And therefore, how does that fuel innovation and in projects? Traditional, we've not looked too much into innovation, Emma. So I'm very happy that you do that in your podcast. We, we think innovation is a given. We're not part of the innovation process. Only at the end, we get the idea and they say, just deliver, uh, make a project, make a plan, deliver. And I think that has been detrimental for our profession and, and, and just delivering. Uh, it's important, but we need to involve into the innovation part. I, I think we can be contributors. We can be facilitators of innovation as well. So I see the future of project management evolving into innovation very heavily. Innovation is tightly um, uh, connected to strategy. So you innovate uh, to move the strategy forward, you, to transform the organization. So by stepping into the innovation, being able to challenge some of the ideas and saying, this idea is too early to make a project, it's not ready, let's do some prototyping, let's do some agile, um, a small team uh, to work on that before we set up a project. So by stepping into innovation and, and I think one of the challenges, we're not trained for that, Emma. So let's be again honest with ourselves. We're not trained. We've not trained to, to think outside the box. It's not something that it has been asked for us. Yeah, to solve risks, to solve issues for sure. But on the bigger picture, does this project make sense? Is this project right now the best thing we can do? where we can put our beds and resources. This type of thinking we've not done. So I think by moving into that space, which you are promoting, I do believe that the connection to the strategy, uh, it's just a, a circle. It's just strategy, innovation, and project management delivering value. I wanted to pin you down on the practical side of things. So how do you, as a project manager, become more strategic in your thinking? So I use a, a few small tricks, which are extremely eye openers. 
the the first one is challenge the rationale of the project why do we do this project i call it the seven why so if you ask yourself seven times why are you doing something why are we investing in this project it elevates you it takes you to the higher purpose for example we're setting up a new crm system that's the project that's the name of the project that's the goal of the project to have the crm system ready by 1st of september and and that's it and we run with that so how can you be strategic if you run with that uh so the, the asking the why is why do we need a new crm because crm helps us to understand our customers better uh, and why do we need to understand our customers better? Because this is how we can increase our position in the market, increase revenues. And why do we need that? Because our mission is to, uh, to satisfy our customers, we be the most customer-centric company in the world. Now you see from a CRM system, we're coming to the vision of the company and making that connection. So that's a very simple way. Don't talk later on about the system. When you talk to stakeholders, talk about the higher purpose. That's what people care. That's what people matter. So that's just a very practical tool. I use that all the time with project managers. And you cannot imagine, I think nine out of 10 times a project manager will start with the very basic definition of a project, which so far from a strategic point. So very easy to apply. It, it, you have immediate uh, open eyes and, and strategic connection. Isn't the difficulty though, uh, when, if as a project manager, you're handed the project, the strategy, the, the purpose or the vision has already been decided um, and dictated to you by other people, perhaps you weren't included. So you're handed this project to deliver. How do you, as a project manager, argue the case that you need to be involved right from the start to be involved in that vision, the mission, help define it and to say whether it's realistic or not or the or the the needs you have to make it achievable to make it a success i'm a bit generalistic when i speak so yes it's easy to say you can challenge your boss and say this project doesn't make sense or where is the purpose behind this project but actually it's very important to do that we are not just just do uh, people, execution people. We are accountable of the success of the project. It's something that also uh, we need to change, not just accountable of deliver what is going to be produced, the deliverables, but the success of the project, which is linked to the benefits and the impact. So I think we need to step up and dare to challenge senior leaders say, listen, this project as it is, has very few chances to be successful. Trust me, I know this. Um, uh, I've been the, here, I've done mistakes, and, and this one doesn't look nice. I don't see how this connects to our strategy. I don't see it. Um, I think we need to spend a bit more time. Let, give me one or two more weeks here on the definition. Let me clarify, because when we're not clear at the beginning, it just messed up the project. So by being critical with customers, with your senior leadership, you will be surprised how much more they appreciate you in most of the cases than actually just sir i do or just madam i do and 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 that's it so it's part of that transformation stepping up that i need uh, or i see critical in this time for project managers 
So it's a shift in mindset, right? It's it's saying to project managers, you have permission to ask those questions, to think bigger. Absolutely, yeah, and you have. And I wonder why we didn't have that before uh, or why we were not trained to do that because knowing how important this, knowing that so many project fails, I would, I would trace back project failure big time on, on this point where we don't speak out, we don't say, hey, listen, sponsor, I'm happy to take this project. It's a big transformation, digital transformation project. But if you are not engaged, if I cannot see you every week for half an hour to give you an update, if you're not going to chair the steering committee, which by the way has to happen every two weeks with your colleagues, then let's not start. Let's not start because it's going to be a waste if you're not engaged. This is a very important project. We need you. Why were not we doing that before? I don't know, but it's just so obvious when you hear that. It's just basic. I was interested in hearing what you said earlier about language. So I imagine that project managers can also think about the language they use when they're speaking to senior execs or other managers and leaders who don't have that technical um, knowledge about project management. Have you got any advice about how project managers can speak about projects in order to get the most people interested? Yeah, great question. I think this is a critical uh, uh, step to get that recognition as not tactical, but more strategic. And, and what I share and most of what I share here in, in our discussion, am I, it just comes from my experience. It's like, I try, I fail, I try, I fail, I try something, now it works. And the language was another of these topics where I realized, wow, this is a big change. Basically, the trick is uh, don't talk about, pro don't use the word project. Don't use the word uh, gangster. Don't use the word project manager. Don't, don't use it for, try it. After you listen to this podcast, go to your friends, go to work and say what you're doing, what you're working without using the word projects, project management, anything technical. What do you use if you don't use the word project or project management? Well, you suddenly start talking about initiatives and that resonates much nicer to, to so I'm working on this initiative and it's, it's about changing and increasing the engagement of our, our people, which I know is a priority for you, dear boss. Um, so um, we need to get the, the organization engaged to make that change happen. Um, I'm here to drive that, and, and this is my, my role, is just to coordinate, drive this change throughout the organization. Can you help me? It, it works. It has been working for me, and I always recommend that to, to my listeners, to my students, to my own project managers. Don't use the word project. We're, we're talking a lot about the kind of skills uh, and change in mindset that project managers need to adopt. I feel as though project management has reached a, a new level of professionalization, certainly with APM coming chartered, that it is the time of project managers now, their time has arrived. With that in mind, I'm feeling as though the next 10 years are going to be very different to the previous 10 years for project managers and the skills and capabilities that they will need. And we're really talking about the fact that they need to think bigger, to think more strategically, to really own a place at the top table. What do you think are the skills and capabilities that project managers will need to have and develop to be successful in their careers and to deliver successful projects over the next, say, five years? 
I like to call them end-to-end -end implementation specialists or end-to-end -end strategy implementation specialists. I think that's the evolution that uh, I see for the project managers. That's what you call Emma ownership, own the project from the start, which is the innovation part, the entrepreneurship part, being able to decide, well, this option doesn't work. Let's go with that option. Developing the project, uh, engaging the organization and the stakeholders and driving through implementation. Uh, and then the other thing, which again, I don't understand why is like this, is that don't drop the benefits. Don't drop the benefits to somebody else. What do you mean by that? Well, dropping the benefits is that the benefits is not a priority in most of the project management methodologies. No, if we have a deliverable, we hope that at one point they will deliver the benefits and we're not going to be in charge anyway. So there's a lot of benefit management, but it's not embedded. I would say benefit management is about 10%. So uh, I do believe, uh, Emma, that there is nobody more uh, knowledgeable about the project deliverables and what it means than the project manager. So I don't understand why at the end of the project, we need to pass it on to somebody else in operations, in, in the business. Why can we not say, I want to run this new application. I want to sell this product. I want to run this new organization. There's nobody else that knows more than me that. Why do we always need to go back to the star and we cannot say, well, now I'm going to run it and make all the benefits. So that's what I call the end-to-end. -end. It's really from the idea to the business owner almost. You, you know, the business manager going through phases of innovation, project and change, and then delivering, creating value. Um, and I think that's the skills that we need to develop. We have the, the, the middle part we have. That's the technical parts. And by the way, I've been doing quite some research on artificial intelligence and, and machine learning, and, and we don't see it very close to us and you don't hear much but there are people working on this and as soon as, as, as we use technology uh, properly in project management 80 percent of the work that we do today will disappear so that middle part that we know will be automated it makes sense what we need to focus back to your the question emma is on the innovation part on understanding the business and the strategy on the people and the change part and then the creation of the value. I think these are often more softer skills, but I believe that the future is there and the mindset is very important. And the other big change that I see is critical, Emma, is we've been trained, I've been trained. There's just one methodology for running all your projects. I use mostly PM Box. that's the basis I've used Sprints to as well. And all the projects of the company need to go through all these gates and use the same template. And for me, like a few years ago, I realized what a mistake. How can I be so stupid? Provide one methodology for the project. It doesn't make sense, right? It's like having just a hammer at home to fix all the problems. Yeah, everything that breaks at home, <laughs> take the hammer and nail, pa, pa, pa. This is what we've been doing for 20, 30 years. And then the, the magic of Agile came and say, forget the hammer. Let's use this screwdriver, but use it for all the problems at home, right? It's stupid. And, and we, I've been in the, I just see it. How could I been doing that? And I did that for many companies. And, and the right way is let's build a toolkit like we have at home. 
you have project management, you have program management, you have some product management, you'll have agile and scrum, and you'll have some design thinking and innovation and change management. That's the toolkit that we need to develop. You can have a forte and you say, well, I like project management the boss, but I need to know when a project needs a bit of agile, a bit of scrum, a bit of program management, and see where that fits. That's the best projects. If you look at projects, they're always a mix of methodologies. It's never just one. But this is another of these big, big mistakes that I feel guilty about. Well, I'm glad you could confess to us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I wanted to speak to you in this podcast because you're a thinker um, as much as a doer. On the doing side of things, I know your day job is um, what, leading a, a, a kind of program management office at GlaxoSmithKline. How do you as a PMO leader, as this would be advice to other PMO leaders out there, how do you encourage your team of project managers to think in this different way? You said you want them to be end-to-end -end implementers to hold on to the project after it's been delivered. How do you do that practically, maybe from your current role or previous roles you've held? How have you as a leader enabled that kind of change I've been doing PMO work uh, for maybe 15 years, 10, 20. And, and what I realized is that the skills of project management, program management that brought me to the position were actually uh, not much needed uh, for the PMO role. It's a very different position than the project management world. Uh, it's more about strategic thinking. It's about challenging, helping senior leaders to make decisions and following up. So what I want to inculcate to my uh, project managers is first that they are curious to learn. They need to learn about the business. They should not just stay on the project deliverables, milestones, but understand how the project fits. Back to our earlier discussion about the seven whys. Why does this project is relevant? How does it fit with the company? So getting a better understanding of the business, the organization, the strategy, the competition, that's the first step. Once they have a bit of a basic, then I also encourage them to challenge. Uh, challenge on uh, customers, challenging in internal customers, sponsor. They see things that don't fit. When they see that there's potential risk, bring them straight to the table. Bring the big elephant to the table and discuss it. Don't run away. Your responsibility is to bring these things to the table and convince the other that this is the right way. So that's stepping up that kind of self-reassuring, uh, it's a very important second step. And then I, I try to encourage them to learn other tools. Back to the tool set that we were talking earlier is, um, it's built a bit of agile skills. If you want even deeper uh, innovation and design thinking, strategy implementation, so that you broaden up your knowledge to discuss better, to bring your projects, um, uh, to, to, to the company in a better way. So that would be the three things that I recommend. Are you able to give us any examples of projects that you felt were particularly innovative and how you managed to encourage that just so that other project managers could learn some tips? The, the projects that tend to be very successful, there's a very clear uh, rationale behind. The why is a higher purpose. Um, the, the purpose is so uh, relevant to people that you will have people volunteering to your pro 
So when people volunteer to be in your project, that's a very good sign. That's because they're already connected. They, they find something relevant to themselves, to their passion, to their heart. So uh, it's happened with the vaccine. There was no doubt about the purpose. Uh, it, I'm working on sustainability, similar. Everybody sees the need. So build that volunteering. There's nobody more committed to a project than a volunteer. This is another of the things that I don't understand. Most companies appoint people to lead a project and to work in a project. And we know that this is not good. People are not excited. They're not engaged. So ask who wants to lead this project and who wants to volunteer and be part. You get instant engagement. I'm so pleased you're talking about the idea of purpose and a common purpose because the issue that I've been working on at the moment of Project Magazine is the uh, is the spring issue. And, and what I noticed just in the zeitgeist, in the feeling around work at the moment is this idea of a common purpose. And I think that has been borne out absolutely by the vaccine projects and especially in the UK, the rollout of the kind of vaccination programme has been amazing and relies on that common, common sense of purpose. So it's interesting that you raise that. I'm a big believer on purpose and I don't know why methodologies never mention purpose. Um, and and I, I sometimes say it's a purpose even more important than a business case, that uh, purpose drives engagement. A 10% increase on return on investment doesn't excite anybody except the finance people, but a higher purpose does. So in my project canvas, uh, I've included the purpose as a, one of the key elements of any project. So I completely agree and can't wait to read your uh, spring issue because I'm a big fan and big believer that this is a big change in the way we do projects. We've lived through a very unusual year. Has there been anything positive about the way that projects have been run or the way that we've all been asked to work from home remotely? Is there anything positive, any benefits that have worked well that you would want to hang on to? I think what we've learned in the last year, um, what you see is that it's possible to work virtually. I remember I, I remember I was teaching many, I've been teaching for many years and I had a section on how to manage virtual projects and the challenges of virtual projects. And I now look at that and say it's old. Uh, we, we've coped with it, we've coped with that. We're managing projects international, 24 hours a day. Um, so I, I do think that we have made a significant improvement in, in virtual projects so that uh, you can have um, that still build that project mindset and, and common culture virtually. I still miss the social part. And, and of course, that's a big gap that we cannot have, but I think uh, it, it has really changed the way I see virtual, which in the past it was a handicap and now it's something positive that we can leverage. Have you got any tips about uh, running a team virtually? Because we, we don't have the social side, as you say, we can't build those relationships. And we've been in this for so long now that, that, that there are lots of uh, new people involved in projects that you may never have met face to face. Do you have any tips, anything you've picked up uh, that, that, that's worked? Yeah, for me, what I've learned is that when you start a project or anything, even now virtually, is that you go straight into the content. Let's look at the business case. Let's, let's define the scope. And I think the first two, three, four weeks, 
you should have as much time dedicated to thinking about the project as to socialize. So you can have the, the kickoff meeting, but schedule hours and hours of meetings with people to get to know each other, have breakout rooms and, and have small groups of two, three people that they talk about themselves, that they share what they love in life, what they want to be. Uh, if you don't have that moment, it would be very hard to do that later on. So make sure that you build that bonding and that connection, which you can. I think you can build. I believe that we're building connections today, which when we will meet people that we've never met, we feel close uh, already, right? We're building them differently, but we're building connections. So really appreciate that phase to spend time. It's not wasted time. If you put an hour every two days to just talk social and, and the weather and football and what you like to do and let people talk about whatever they feel like, it's just building that social path, that, that trust that we need in, in projects uh, later on. Thank you. That's excellent advice. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. Um, I want to thank you again for your time. Um, and I should mention to listeners as well that you've written a column for the spring issue of Project. So be sure to read that. But it just leaves me to say thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you, Emma. Thank you for what you do. Thank you, APM, for making us better. So thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thanks again to Antonio for joining us and to you for listening. Do rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and more. This podcast has been brought to you by APM, the chartered body for the project profession. For more information on APM, visit apm.org.uk.